everybody, and welcome to the NFL Road Show, or I guess welcome back, I should say, because it's been a minute since I put out a pod. Got a few changes happening on this end that shouldn't affect anything for you guys, except hopefully make for a better show moving forward. I'm now with the Sirius XM family, which I'm really excited about. So that means I'll be appearing on various Sirius XM shows, primarily talking fantasy football, which you know that I love. And they will also be the host platform for the podcast as well. So we've got some really good guests lined up for the next few weeks as we count down the days to training camp report day, which, you know, I'm also very excited about. That's coming up later this month. And our first guest is one whose career has just exploded in the last few years. I first met him when he was an off-season player guest analyst at NFL Network. Now he is an Emmy award-winning broadcast superstar bringing you football, entertainment, even early morning news. I literally do not know how he does all the things he does, but there's no doubt he does them all very, very well. He is the one and only Nate Burleson. Let's break the huddle. Hurry up, let's go! Two on, two on, two. Ready? First of all, Nate, thank you so much for making time to come on the show because I know you don't have any time because you have like 800 jobs. I do. I have a few jobs, but uh, when you call, I come running. You know, I oftentimes talk about my early experiences at the NFL, and there's a few people that were not just welcoming, but, uh, you know, they were also kind of there to push me in a, a different direction. It wasn't just, hey, we want you to come in and tell us about the X's and O's. And the first group of people um, that was like that for me was Dan Helley, you, of course, um, rich. And it was, and surprisingly, these were the individuals that, um, were hosting. So, um, I was able to kind of sit back and read the teleprompter when you guys were reading. And I was always so fascinated because I was like, man, like, how are they so good at this? You know, and, and their, their body language and, and just the art of being on TV. And then I saw behind the scenes, I got to set early and I just seen you out there just putting in that work and people didn't realize that. And I think that was one of the biggest surprises for me as a young talent was seeing the work you guys put in before the show. And I thought to myself, all right, I know there's ways to mail it in, especially if you're an athlete. But because you guys put in so much work, I was able to take pieces of what you guys were able to do and add it to my game. So um, now that I have you, I don't get to talk to you too often face to face. I want to say thank you, because even when you didn't know I was watching I was watching and I was always thoroughly impressed. And I was sad to see you go because I love working with you. Thank you. That's awfully nice of you. I feel like, um, I mean, obviously you've come such a long way since I met you for the first time. Like the first time that I worked with you, you weren't even at NFL Network officially. You were like a guest player analyst that would come through in the off season. And I don't, my memory is shit. I'm just going to put that out there, right? Like I don't remember (laughs) specifics about things that happened to me three days ago, much less like eight years ago or whenever that was. But what I do remember is that you and Ryan Clark were kind of coming through in the off season around the same time. And obviously other people were too. I remember the two of you very specifically being like immediately, like they're going to be very good. And I, I remember hoping a little bit that the people who were in the position to make decisions um, at our network specifically um, right. were on the same page as I was yeah. because in my experience also, I feel like broadcast executives tend to gravitate toward like gold jacket, yeah. um, household name yeah. types of people. And 
um, sometimes, in my opinion, don't value enough the things that someone who doesn't fall into that category can bring to the table. And so I felt like you were somebody that clearly had what it took to make it in broadcasting, yeah. but didn't have, and I mean this like, you know what I mean? Obviously you had a great career, but like, I was like, oh, I hope that they don't let him slip through the cracks, you know? And so, um, do you remember at all? Uh, what do you remember about that time and what you felt like you needed to accomplish in order to compete in this world with the types of people who might have had more Pro Bowls than you as you transitioned into this career? I remember them saying, if you're if you're playing, we're not paying. And I, I always thought that was weird because I'm like, I'm not even asking you guys to pay me. What do you I mean? Like, oh, as a guest analyst. Nope. Yeah, no guest analyst. They were basically like, if, you, if you're playing, if you're still playing, we're not paying. And that was like the little thing they would say to me. And I was like, listen, I'm not even at that level where I can ask you guys for a day rate, let alone ask for a contract here. Um, so I already knew right out the gate that um, I was going to be coming off the bench. You know, I'm just looking at it realistically. You got guys like Marshall Falk was so intellectually sound. Um, Michael Irvin, who just comes with that grit and he makes it feel like you're in the huddle. And then you got primetime was just like, man, I'm going to always be primetime. And I saw these guys and I had so much respect for them that I knew I couldn't come in and be that dude that wanted to take their place. But what I did do, just like I did on the football field, I looked at all these guys and I figured out what strength they had that I could steal from. And also, what are their weaknesses that maybe they don't want to work on or they can care less about adding that to their resume. And, and a lot of those guys are very comfortable in their seat. Yeah. Like, you know, I get paid to talk about football and X's and O's. None of them necessarily want to be a host. So when I was paying attention to um, hosting a show, you know, that was, that was when it really clicked for me that if I wanted to be something different, if I didn't want to tell you what a post corner was for the next 20 years, then I have to learn how to read the teleprompter. I have to learn how to Toss in and out of breaks. I got to talk about stuff that's very serious, like maybe a, a death in the football family or something that's very light and have fun, self-deprecating, be able to laugh at myself. All of these things that I realized came into um, the art of being a host on TV. So I just kept thinking about that. And I remember Dan in the locker room one day, Dan Haley was like, hey, yo, like if you want to separate yourself, like, you got to start hosting things. Start small, but start hosting things. Because a lot of guys don't want to put that work in. Um, and it's it's harder than people think. Yeah. And I never forgot those words. And that was around the time when I started to pay attention to Dan. And I started to pay attention to you. Because at that point, um, you two were the the ones that I worked with the most. Yeah. It was interchangeable what football talent I worked with. But you guys were consistent. So you guys were almost like my 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 first quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to be in the right position. And what I learned most uh, from you, you two was, one, you can be extremely knowledgeable and intelligent, intelligent on the subject matter, but you can have fun doing it. Like, you know, Dan Haley's pretty chill. You know, for, he, for, for a white guy, he got that flavor. He got a little sauce to him. You know what I mean? He, he, he'll get goofy, but he tries to keep his composure on TV. So when you get him to break character, you know, it's always a giggle or a laugh. But with you, when you genuinely laughed, oh my goodness, like that tickles something inside me. It is because it's such a sincere laugh that I always remembered that moving forward. That's why when you see me on Good Morning Football, 
I'm always laughing. And if there's something funny, I am going to laugh in real time. Producer, I'll get to it. I know we got to get to a commercial break, right. but let me get this giggle out. So um, that, well, that's that, a good point that, because it's like tone. those moments that are real, that is what you're striving for. So you could produce the yeah. whole show and have the whole format. You can't get like marred down in that. Like if you yeah. have a moment that's happening, that's what's going to, that's what the audience is going to react to. So like leave room for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. It was, it was, it was a fun time. And I, I looked at it like a rookie, you know, I went to the broadcast boot camp, and I was a little bit of a standout, I guess you could say, you know, they gave me the pat on the back and they're like, out of everybody, you were no. the guy that stood out. And I was like, oh, wait, okay, did they cool. do that behind the scenes or did they like give out an award at the end of broadcast boot camp? Like the broadcast boot camp most improved. I, they kind of did it, but it wasn't in a way where it made everybody else uncomfortable. But behind the <laughs> scenes, they, they definitely were like, you know, if you want to do this, I know you still have a, a, a little bit more football to play. Like, you can be good at it. But I walked away thinking to myself, there's so many things I'm not good at. Like I was good at um, ad living and, and, and having an organic conversation that's not scripted. If I needed to write something, I could write it. But where I struggled... Um, I was always too animated because I, I, I'm a storyteller by nature. I still had that football player in me. So I wanted to wear all the jewelry that I bought. Um, and then I, I, the, the biggest thing we did this mock, uh, mock games and I was the color commentator. And the night before they're like, all right, guys. So um, here's the games we're going to be watching. Um, so study the roster. Here's the breakdown of the roster. You can do your own studying tonight. And then tomorrow we'll put you in the booth with a real live uh, announcer. And we're going to go from there. So I was kind of thinking to myself, how hard can it be? Like, it's literally, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, football. The, I know this it's football. Right. All he's going to do is alley-oop me and I'm just going to dunk it every play. It's the alley-oop. All right. First and 10, uh, you know, and, and Peyton Manning drops back and completes to the wide receiver. And then here I come. Boom, boom, boom. And I thought I was going to do that for however long we were doing this mock uh, game. And from the first toss, it was like, all right, uh, it's a beautiful day, and I got Nate here in the booth with me. Nate, how you doing? And I was like, uh, um, uh, you know, um, <laughs> football, football is good. It's good because you know we're here. And I was shook from the moment it started, and um, and so when they gave me the whole pat on the back, and they were like, "Yo, you have a future in this," I thought about all the things I wasn't good at, oh, yeah. and for me, I was excited about. That it. It made me feel like a rookie again. Like they think I'm good and I already know that I have so much uh, ground that I can make up. So sure. that's a good sign. Sure. I kind of think though, almost that self-awareness of knowing the areas in which you're not good are yeah. what ends up making people better in this industry. And and yeah. I oftentimes think like I mentioned the gold jacket thing and then people who come in that don't have the like household name recognition you have to like earn it a little bit more and maybe be a little bit better in order to get those opportunities. I almost feel yeah. like that ends up being a valuable thing because you feel like you have to do the work and you have to treat this yeah. like it's an actual second job. And it's not yeah. like a speaking engagement where you're going to show up and just be you and congratulations, yeah. everybody. You get to be with me. It's like yeah. I have to bring something to the table because I believe strongly that viewers stop caring about what you have done as soon as you start talking about what someone else is doing. Mm. Like, now, if you're talking to a Bills fan and you're talking to them about what Josh Allen is doing, they don't care. They want you to be right. They want you to know as much about Josh Allen as they know. 
you know? Right. And right. then you can bring in your anecdotes and that's when your experience comes in handy. Like, I know this is what he's going through. I know that this is what, you know, Cole yeah. Beasley is going through as his wide receiver, yeah. something like that. The anecdotes and the experience come in handy, but only if you have the base knowledge with which you're working. You can't leave that alone. You have to continue studying. You have to continue doing the work. You're, you're spot on because, you know, when you first get a job as an athlete after your career is over, you lean on the fact that you're an athlete. And oftentimes, you know, we speak about the game as if we are still playing. And the moment I realized people don't care what I did when I played, that's the moment I became so much better at being on TV because it was less about my resume and more about the subject matter. Um, and and I, I once heard, you know, whatever you're covering, make sure that they are the leading actor in the movie. You're just the supporting actor. Um, and if you can, like, if you can approach it like that, then you'll, you'll approach the game and any job that you have with humility. Um, but then I, I take it a step further. I treat, I treat my co-hosts like that or yeah. any talent that I work with on any show. I, I want to highlight them. I know what it's like to be second fiddle and I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. I know what it's like to be, you know, the, the Robin to Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss's Batman. And I'm good with it. You can make a good living, good living out of that. But for me, I realized all right. I also have the capabilities to take the stage when somebody says, Nate, the lights are on. So there is that moment where you have to understand nobody cares what you did, bro. They just care that you know what you're talking about in the game right now. Do you remember a point in your career when you felt like you got over the hump and you were no longer like working to prove yourself, but now you felt like, OK, I've earned a seat at this table, all of the big boy tables, by the way. <laughs> Or big girl tables, um, big tables, um, <laughs> not gender specific. Um, but do you remember when, like, was there a moment or a time frame for you when it kind of clicked? Like, okay, I actually yeah. feel like I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. So let me, let me uh, set the stage. So I, I retired in 2014. I, I did the, um, the visits to the major networks, the ESPN, NBC Sports and NFL Network. I wanted to stay at the NFL Network because I was familiar with them. I flew myself out there in the off seasons. I knew a few of the producers um, and I'm a West Coast guy. So during my time working for the network in L.A., I was just a football player talking about football. I think one thing people notice is that I was willing to work. So, you know, when somebody didn't show up or somebody was sick, if they needed some digital content, pregame, postgame, I was even doing tailgate experiences. I did it all. Um, and, and so they realized Nate's willing to put in the work. I still has, haven't arrived um, as a, a TV personality. I take the job for Good Morning Football in New York, which was a huge move for my family. My wife was like, hell no, we're not going to New York. Are you crazy? Like, we just got comfortable. Like we, You're living a life. You got a place in Scottsdale, Arizona. You're flying to L.A. They put you in a hotel. You're working a few days a week. Why do you want to change things up? And it wasn't even the money. Trust me when I say the offer that the NFL Network threw out there, I was like, you, you want me to uproot my whole family, what? try to sell my home, and you're, you're telling me I'm, I got to go out there on this dime? Right. Um, so it wasn't the money. It was more about the opportunity that I didn't think was going to come around again. And I used to tell my kids, and I still do, be comfortable with being uncomfortable when I go talk, to camp, go talk at camps or to you know, juveniles in these centers. So you have to step outside your comfort zone and be uncomfortable with 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 that moment in time where you have to stretch yourself a little bit, um, because if you get if you come out of that, like something special is around the corner. So I remember saying, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going, literally dodging the execs when I get done shooting T.A. Huh. Um, they're like, hey, uh, Nate, uh, 
Uh, so so got to call. In his office. Uh, yeah, on yeah. The, what? I, I'm what? Like, I'm, doing a, I'm doing a juke move through the facility, uh, running to LAX. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and I had a, I had a conversation with myself in the mirror, and I was like, um, "Look, Nate. Oh, so you don't want to wake up at four a.m. That that bothers you. You 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 don't like New York because." You're a West Coast guy and your first experience out there wasn't pleasant because nobody said hi to you on the street. Get out your feelings, bro. Get out your feelings and make a change that could change the complexion of your post career. And um, I walked downstairs and my wife and my mom were sitting in the kitchen. I said, hey, we're moving to New York. She's like, what? (laughs) She's like, what are you talking about? We just talked about this. They haven't even offered you a significant uh, amount of money. And you said that you don't want to go yourself and I don't want to go. The kids are comfortable. I said, yeah, but I have to do this. Trust me. I have to do this. Everything's going to be okay. Credit to my wife. She's a writer, you know, so we make the move. I I, I say all that because I thought as soon as I hit the ground running out here, I'm going to be good. Like I'm that now I'm I'm, I'm a a quartet of a a foursome and I'm going to be hosting a show. Yeah. I struggled initially because it's the first time I'm being involved in segment producing and writing my own scripts and then reading the teleprompter. Like the last time I read out loud was like a, a an assignment in high school. I think it's so, so funny you keep talking about the teleprompter. Like that's such a complicated thing. Yeah, but you got to understand for a guy that is used to, um, you know, speaking straight from the heart, right? Yeah. Um, and a guy who never reads out loud. Yeah. I'm a reader, but I never read out loud. Yeah. You, real, you realize how uncomfortable you may sound reading something in front of people until you read something in front of people. So um, it was one of those things where I just couldn't catch a rhythm. I was like, man, like, I feel like I'm reading and people know I'm reading. My yeah, eyes are back yeah. and forth. I don't even know what to do with my hands. I feel like Ricky Bobby, like what the <laughs> hell is going on? And then I was like, you know what? Let me be more involved in the writing. So it sounds like me. That, and that's that, the key. That's the key. That's the key. And then from there, I improved. Now, mm-hmm. the moment where I realized I've arrived, was when CBS Today, the NFL Today, offered me uh, an audition. Not the job, just the audition. And it was purely proximity. I truly believe we're in a studio right next to theirs. They were already interviewing different individuals and auditioning different guys. And I knew they were like, well, this Nate dude has been kind of like honing his skills for two years. He won't leave us alone. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we see him in the hallway. Exactly. And uh, so they're like, you know, just, just bring him in kind of thing. And I, I truly believe that I don't know if they wanted to give me the job. So I felt like I had to win the job. And I remember like having my Eminem moment. I'm in the dressing room. I'm like, yeah, mom, spaghetti. Come on, now you got this, baby. Let's do this. And I walked downstairs. And this is a true story. So I got my script and I'm like, all right, Nate, come on, man. Just, just relax. You got this. I see Demarcus Ware. He comes around the corner. And, you know, he's a handsome dude. Yeah. White, white teeth, like Tyrese. He looks like the black Mr. Clean. He's just handsome. Like <laughs> He's like, it's just like a, a, a walking chocolate bar with muscles. And I'm like, ah, this is my competition. Like, ah, damn. Uh, so I dap him up. And he knows it. He's like, man, good to see you. You heading in? I just got done my audition. I'm like, cool. Good luck. He says, good luck. And it's real genuine. I know him. He's cool. He's yeah. super cool. I walk away and I'm like, I had that moment where I'm like, Damn, bro, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He has a Super Bowl ring. Like, like, am I just here just to fit, like, fill a quota of guys that they they want to audition? And then, like, two steps before I actually hit the studio, I was kind of like, nah, nah, like, get out your own head, bro. You got this. You have a certain skill set. 
you have a certain skill set that not a lot of people can um, can do. And and I walked in and I I felt like I killed it. And I remember JB calling me afterwards. He's like, "Look, <laughs> if, I, if I have any influence on this, you got the job." Now they got to make some decisions above me. He said, "But we threw you some fastballs, some curveballs, and you knocked them all out of the park." He's like, so I'll give you a heads up if you actually get the job. He called me a few weeks later. And that's when I knew I arrived because all of the trial and error, the time at the NFL Network, even the awkward shows of Good Morning Football, where I was trying to figure out what my voice was, right. it all built this one guy that can hold his own on a set with James Brown, who was just a Hall of Fame dude, Bill Cower, Boomer and Phil Sims. Um, and, and that's when I knew, like, all right. Now it's time to move on. I've always like did it a step at a time. You know, when I left the game, there was opportunities to go into entertainment. There were scripts being thrown my way. I said, now nah, I'm good. Because like I as an actor? As an actor. And I just said, I can't do it. I won't do it. I don't want to like spread myself so thin that I'm decent at a lot of things. I'd rather work at a few things and be really good at them. That's why it was all strategic. It was NFL Network. CBS and then extra came in. I was like, all right, now I'm ready to show the world that like I used to be a football player, but in reality, like I love pop culture, movies and music. So you want me to blow your mind? Watch how fluid I am when I'm talking about entertainment because I'm really into it. And then watch me go work on uh, CBS this morning. <laughs> that Now, that was crazy. That that was, you know, that I'm in house. And they brought me in and it was one of those like, yeah, let's bring Nate in. We're, we're kind of, you know, rotating the seat and people got vacation time. Let's see what he can do. And at this point, I'm not trying to say that I'm feeling myself. But I kind of feel myself a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, you know what? Let me just go in here and let me do me to the fullest extent. And for those that were working on the show, some of the producers, they're working on their own morning show. I'm pretty sure they haven't seen me on my morning show. Yeah. So the way they're talking to me, they're like, all right, so um, so we we have uh we have a commercial break. The producer will be in your ear. Um and, and it's the a hard producer out. will be in your ear. Right, right. So, <laughs> and, and it's 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 someone who has no idea like that I've I've done TV for the past like seven years. Yeah. And she's like, it's, it's, we got a hard out to the commercial. And I'm like, she's like, a hard out means no! that we're gonna yeah, yeah so <laughs> So you're like, like, oh my God, you're going to be so yeah. impressed with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind. So, so I did the whole humble thing like, uh-huh, okay, all right. Yeah, I think I got it. I think I got it. <laughs> um, and then went out there and just like, even the producer afterwards was like, man, you got a great rhythm. Like you were really in and out on time and the time cues. And I was like, yeah, you know, I did a little TV. So um, that's where I'm at now. And that's, this is this is my life, you know, and I, I didn't think I'd be in TV this long, um, but I also um, I didn't have necessarily have a plan. Like I didn't have a straight hand plan where I want to I want to jump from a few different jobs to elevate my name. I just kind of wanted to do it organically. What do you mean you didn't think you were going to be in TV this long? This isn't the end game. What's next? I initially full transparency, keeping it real with you, because, you know, I love you and I love the show. Like. I invested my money wisely when I played. So when I did TV, it was really an outlet for creativity. Uh -huh. So I didn't want to sit around. And I was in that space where, um, you know, I always talk about the NFL as a, 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 a torrid but intense love affair with a woman. And when she told me, like, she didn't want me anymore, oh. I, was, I was like sitting at home, like, who am I going to fall in love with next? Like, what, what's my next job I'm going to fall in love with? And I didn't have one. I didn't want to I didn't want to fall in love with coaching like. 
she is just That's she's freaking too, hard. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and, and, that, and that relationship can be as fickle as any other. And I didn't want to go into the corporate world. I already had a restaurant. I didn't want to do that full time. So I knew that going into TV would be uh, me jumping back into the dating pool as far as this analogy is concerned. And and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do it for a few years and then I'll just I'll volunteer coaching and I'll be around the house more. But I realized that, you know, my skill set is unique. And and if you're if you're willing to put the work in, the money can be good. Well, I'm sure it's gotten much better since that uh, first offer from Good Morning Football. Uh, when you retired, did did you struggle with that? Was that really hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, um, you know, I, I've talked about her, which is his everlasting romance. It's, it's the title of this book that I'm writing about. How I fell in love with football when I was eight, and it's this beautiful woman, and I dated her because my dad dated her. He was a football player. That's Puppy a weird analogy, but. Just the dating the same person as your dad, but know, we're working know, through it. We're working. We're workshopping. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We're, we're working. We're, just, <laughs> we're, we're workshopping it. Workshopping it. Um, and, and you know, and I and I, outside of like my wife, football was like outside of my family. Yeah, football was the first thing I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Outside of just like human interaction, and when it was all done, I finally felt like I caught this rhythm. I'm like, yo, eleven years, like. I know how to practice. I know the playbook like the back of my hand. Um, it's becoming easy. Even though my body is breaking down, like the game is easy. I can line up and I can cook any young cornerback um, b- because I'm smarter at this age. But my body was literally falling apart. I just broke my arm trying to save a pizza. Detroit was like, look, we love you, but we can't offer you the same amount of money to come back. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I understand. This is year 11. I go to Cleveland and I refracture my arm and then I tear my hamstring and Cleveland's like, look, we love you, Nate. We want to sign you, but if we keep you now, we're going to have to guarantee you this million and change. And you didn't even make it through the summer workouts. And I'll, they're, so they're like, we're going to cut you, but we're going to bring you back. And I remember sitting with Ray Farmer um, and I kind of, I, I was like, I, I get it. I understand, bro. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to like move furniture around. Like I get it. And he was like, well, well, we'll call you in a few weeks after your hamstring heals. And you know, we'll bring you back out. And I was like, look, if I leave Cleveland, I'm not coming back to Cleveland. It wasn't disrespect to Cleveland. I'm just saying, if I go home to Seattle, I'm not going to hop back in the plane and, and get another apartment and try to make this work. He's like, Nate, I understand. I understand. And so I, I went home and my agent called me a few weeks later. And I was like, Hey, Got another offer from Seattle. And I knew the GM from Seattle, John Schneider. Um, and we, our kids were on the same, like, Little League softball team. So I'm sitting next to him, just rubbing elbows, talking. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we wanted to bring you in. I know you heard. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So let me just keep it real. Like, am I coming in to, like, help this team out? Or am I coming in just for a few weeks? He's like, listen, we got a few guys banged up. Um, I'm not going to say you're going to be on the roster all year, but, you know, your, your vet minimum is $66,000 a week. So, I mean, it's not a bad, you know, payment. And I don't know, I was so in my feelings yeah. from being cut by the Browns of all people. And then I, I just thought to myself, all right, am I going to be that guy that just attaches to a team to steal a check when there's a roster spot for a young guy that could be in my position? And like, I couldn't pull myself to take that money when I knew there's young guys out there that are fighting for an opportunity. And I'm like, I'm at the end. Like, I got to just admit it. I'm at the end. And I had those nights where I'm drinking and everybody in the house is asleep and I'm, I'm watching 
I'm watching like like old highlights of me. Like I'm watching old video of me and my ex at a bake on a vacation. Like I'm like like just sitting there, just like damn man. I used to be nice with it. And this is this isn't like ten years down the road. This is like ten weeks after the season started. So that's how fast it happened. You know, our guys are like, man. You know, I really started to miss. I missed it immediately. And and I would be lying if I told you I didn't. And uh, I remember being up late. And like these parallels to relationships, they're always so strong with me. So I'm like, I'm watching my highlights, right? And I'm like, nah, this was last year. Like, this was literally less than a year ago. This is before the injuries. So I'm talking myself up. I'm like, yo, just text your guy. I had a guy named Kyle Valero who was with the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm like, text him, text him, gassing myself up. By myself, sipping, watching these tapes. I'm like, yo, uh, so I heard you guys got some guys banged up. You know, I saw that Des Bryant got a little, he's a little banged up. Um, you guys need a, need like some help? <laughs> it was like texting your ex you up and her being like no move on no. like he said he was like nah like he did it nicely he's like nah like we're good like we're good um but you know tell the family i said what's up i love you Nate. Nate, you know no. i love you so uh, and You're i like was like pouring more <laughs> <laughs> exactly i was like forget the cup go straight to the bottle <laughs> and i remember thinking all right, that, that's the last re- rejection I'm going to take from this woman called in the NFL. Or, you know, so I just, at that point, I started to like really open a new chapter. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do next? And that's when it's like, it's time. It's time to go into TV because that will keep me busy um, in the interim. Well, I'm so glad for you that Good Morning Football launched when it did. Because yeah. I really think, I mean, I could talk for days about what I think is great about that show. Um, why I think it works. Um, but I, I think it was, it came along at a time where it was perfect for you specifically. Yeah. Um, and, and then the way that they cast it, I think, th- I mean, that's where I would start with what I think works is that they cast it so differently from the way that they cast other shows. And I think that a big part of the show's success, and I don't mean this is a negative for NFL Network at all, the fact that they had an outside production company actually put it together because for so long, you know, it's just, it's human nature when you have a network where the pool is all working together, everybody kind of ends up doing things the same way just because that's the way that they do it on that show. And they'll share producers and a producer will work on total access and NFL now. And like, they'll go back and forth. So all the shows kind of, end up being formatted a little similarly. They've been cast a little similarly. It plays out a little similarly. And Good Morning Football, having a fresh take on it, just totally outside people formatting it differently and then casting it differently, I think made it feel different. And it was a breath of fresh air. And, you know, there were like some learning curves in the beginning, kind of feeling things out. Some things worked, some things didn't. But, uh, and I also think that, the casting of Kyle, in my opinion, was so key to the show's success because no it allowed you to it like when you put somebody in there who has Kyle's sense of all of it, but he's not an analyst, right? He's not a former player analyst. Right. He's not an insider like Schrager. He's not a straight right. up host like Kay. Right. He's there because he's witty and he's funny and he's like a, an engaged fan, a, fan. a smart a fan, fan, all that. But the way his personality is, 
It's so yeah. high and it's so fun that it yeah. brings out all of that in you and it brings no out doubt. that in Kay and it brings out that in Peter and it allows you to be the best you because you're bouncing off of people who are kind of have the same ability to get there, yeah. you know? Yeah, no doubt. I, I tell Kyle this all the time, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron and like the way that he approaches the show um, and it's so unique. Um, you know, when I used to prepare for shows for Total Access, um, NFL AM, you know, the traditional NFL Network shows, it was all right. How am I going to talk about this play, this team, maybe this storyline, um, you know, but really it was very straightforward. Kyle comes in. He's always thinking about the the weirdest way to talk about the same thing we're always talking about. Yeah. And I remember after a while, I started thinking to myself, how can I do that? Like, how can I talk about the game differently? And because he's extremely intelligent, he has a background in acting, went to Princeton that, you know, he when he writes, he writes to like embarrass the other host. Like when we do competition uh, segments where we have to make the case to K about a quarterback or we're coming in doing some type of performance segment, he's not doing it just to get through the segment. He wants to embarrass Peter and I. So after a while, I was like, wait a minute, like this dude is prepping for every show. Like this is Broadway. And it added an element to my game that I use with me on a daily basis. And I tell them that all the time. I'm like, what you bring to the show is truly invaluable because there was somebody that had a vision, you know, Michael Davies and the embassy world crew was like, yo, we need somebody that thinks out of the box um, because there's a large demographic of people that will watch this show that will one appreciate it or two think he's absolutely crazy. But the most important thing they're going to be watching. And, and that's what it is. And that's why, that's why our show it really has worked surprisingly. Like we're going on year six, which is unreal for a morning show, you know? But it also feels like it's been a lot longer than that. Like oh, you're saying year no. six, like, oh, it's crazy. It's been so long. But there's part of me that's like, how has it only been six years? It feels like you guys have been around forever. Yeah, well, we spend so much time together. Like, you know, we we used to uh, wake up at 415 go do a, a think tank session before the show, get done with the show and then head right back over to our offices and do another think tank session. So like the first couple of years, we're talking five days a week, three hours a day, um, plus pre and post meetings. And then we're not getting that much vacation. And we get a little bit more now, right. but early on, man, it was like 49 weeks. So I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah, I need a break out here. <laughs> Um, how is the schedule? When do you sleep? Because obviously since the beginning of Good Morning Football, you've added a lot of other things to your plate. And this is the thing yeah. that I have always thought was crazy about you. And Kay too. I mean, you guys are just like collecting all these jobs. Yeah. The, the morning show is a full-time job, right? In and of it itself. Is. Like you have yeah. to go to bed somewhat early, I would imagine. Yep. You're waking yep. up like while it's still dark out. You're done yep. with your full-time job while there's still time left in the day. But like, I don't yeah. know how you're squeezing all this in. And still you mentioned um, in retirement, wanting to have time to spend time with your family. I don't know how you yeah. do that. I, I remember um, moving to New Jersey and the first year of Good Morning Football, I completely lost my facial hair. And I had these gaps in my head because I was stressed out. And I went to this dermatologist and She's like, do you have history of alopecia in your family? Asking me all these questions. I'm like, no, 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 no. She's like, well, what's what's going on in your life? Is anything different? Has there been a change of pace? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. I guess you could say that. <laughs> like, I moved my family from Arizona to New Jersey. I'm working a morning show. I'm waking up at 4 a.m., which I've never 
um, woke up that early before and, and she's like, okay, what about your job? I'm like, oh, it's a new job. And you know, it's tough. You know, I, I feel the pressure every day to be really good. And uh, I've, I've never felt this before. And she's like, oh yeah, you're stressed. That's why you're losing your hair. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Now the ego and the football player is like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I was like, I'm fine. I was like, you know, on top of that, like my old job, I used to play football. So like these like 250 pound dudes used to try to like break me in half. Like that's stressful. And she was like, no, by the way, you're talking about football. You loved it. So it probably didn't stress you out, but this you're learning to love and it's stressing you out because you, you're probably scared you're going to fail. And you want to talk about like, I, I might as well have my feet up laying down on the couch. It was a straight therapy session. I wanted to give her a hug and, and have her write me a script or something. <laughs> and, and she was, she was, she was absolutely real with it. And I remember leaving and over the course of the next year, I was like, I need to figure out how to like place my energy in the right spaces. Because when I first got to New York, New Jersey, I was saying yes to everything. I was just like, anybody wanted a piece of Nate, like, yeah, I, you know, wh whether it was friends, partying, hanging out, you know, the wife and I in the city, um, whether it was a different network or a production company saying, hey, can we use you for a day? Would you come over after you get done with Good Morning Football? And I'm like, yeah, this is the hamster wheel, right? Concrete jungle. I got to go get it. And I, I exhausted myself. Um, so then I, I slowed down. Um, I spent more time at home. I started saying no more often. My facial hair grew back. And it's funny, like now I, I have more jobs, but I dedicate more time to my family, if that makes sense. So instead of saying yes and then putting in my schedule later, I make decisions based off of what my schedule looks like and if I can fit it in my life. So my schedule is a beast. I, I'll wake up at five. I head to the city. I'm usually done at 10, 15. Um, Two days a week, I'll go to Hudson Yards um, and I'll record for extra. And now that it's a virtual world, I don't really have to leave, which is great. But when I was working in the city, like I, they say, hey, we got J-Lo tonight. I'm like, all right, cool. I go to some like fragrance shop because she has a new perfume and J-Lo's supposed to be there at 730 and it's 930. And I'm like, damn, like. This is what I signed up for. So I, I can't be unprofessional and just leave. I can't throw a fit like I'm contractually obligated. And I signed a year deal with them and I don't rub people wrong or burn bridges. So I'm like, hey, you got to man up, bro. I know you got to you got to drive home, which is going to be an hour and a half from the Bronx. But I don't care what time she gets here. As soon as she gets here, turn the lights on. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a quick <laughs> to go off on tangent real quick. I'll bring it back. But in that moment, I remember. Uh, her handler coming in, this young lady. She's like, like, say like, you're me and this is my producer. She comes in, she's like, all right, so Jayla's here and we're, we're gonna get started in a little bit and we'll be in and out. My producer's like, hey, um, so I know it said eight minutes because you guys are late, maybe we can get nine minutes. And she's like, uh, no, um, five minutes. And he's like, five minutes? I mean, we said eight, so seven minutes. He's trying to be funny. And she's like, um, no, five minutes. And, and then, and then he was, he's still trying, he's like, ah, we'll stretch six or seven, maybe she goes five minutes. And he looks at me and goes five minutes. I'm like, first of all, I didn't even say nothing to you. Second of all, I'm a grown ass man. They're like, I, you're clearly younger than me, but she has no idea though. She has no idea. I've been working at TV for yep. as long as I have been that I've interviewed celebrities before. She has no idea who I am. So in my head, I'm like, man, you got to eat this, bro. Like what you signed up for this. So you're like you are two hours late. Right. I wanted to be mad, but I couldn't. So then she walks over to J-Lo. I kind of tell she does the like, kind of like, you know, I don't know him. He's new because I, I was new. I was new to the whole extra scene. 
And I'm sitting there quiet because I didn't say nothing to her. I didn't say, okay, all right. I just, I just kind of mugged her a little bit. I, I wasn't mad. What she said, it was like how she said it to me. So J-Lo bends the corner. I turn the lights on. I, I, I get into Nate mode. I'm like, J-Lo, what's up? How you doing? Oh, man. Dancer, philanthropist, actress. Oh, and Hustlers, the movie? Are we talking Oscar? Sit on down, girl. Let's get this started. Like, she, <laughs> she was walking around the corner like, who is this? <laughs> like, she, she, said, like, she was like, who, like, who are you? She's like, I, never, I haven't seen you before. And I was like, oh, I'm Did just. Did she say that? Yeah, she was like, I, she didn't say it in a mean way. She was kind of like, yeah, yeah. it was a compliment. Right. She was like, you're good. Like, I've never seen you before. And I was like, oh, uh, you know, they wrote me into this entertainment thing. I used to play football. You know, forgive me if I'm nervous. She's like, no, no, you're not nervous. And you, you're not new to this. You, you, this can't be your first time. I'm like, well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. But um, yeah, you know, I don't do this often. And she's like looking at me with a side eye like, you're good. And afterwards, you know, I drove my ass home. I, I got, uh, you know, four hours of sleep, woke up and I did it again. So like that, that, that part of my life became a little bit exhausting, but rewarding at the same time, because like I needed something to break up the monotony. I love football. Trust me, I do. But waking up and talking about it every day. You know, it feels like we're just in this this cyclical loop of the same story, just repackaged, same storylines, same injuries. It's just different jerseys. Same framing every offseason. Who's going to go from worst to first? Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, and, you know, this coach got fired. Did he deserve it? Who are they going to hire? And it's just like, it, it, it really started to wear on me. Yeah. And even my wife was like, man, like, you, you come home more excited about working late in the city for extra than you do working a short day for football. And I'm like, yeah, because it's, I get like the false enthusiasm thing, but sometimes when you're working so much, like it's just hard to like, to, to dig up that same type of like fervor for like a storyline that you know you've regurgitated a thousand times. So like, I, I needed these like red carpet experiences. Like I remember being on the red carpet for, um, the Al Pacino and De Niro movie, the one that they just did that came out on that, the Irishman, I think it was. And um, so, you know, De Niro walks by, he's like, he's on it. He's like, boom, boom, boom. You know, this, that, and third, and then Trump, Trump, and I'm out. And I was like, okay, thanks, De Niro, I appreciate you. And then Pacino comes by and Pacino's super chill. He's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, nice to meet you, man. My name is Nate Bros. And he's like, I know you are. And I was like, huh, what, what? I was like, Cut the camera. Stop. Everybody stop for a second. I was like, put the mic down. It's like, are you telling me you know who I am? And he was like, he's outside. Yeah, I, I was, I want the, the little girl inside. like, oh, oh, he knows who I am. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. You do that show, uh, the morning show. And then you do this, the Sunday show. I know you do a good job. And I was like, whoa, like, I like that. Like that, that felt good. It was, it, it was a foreign feeling to me. You know what I mean? When a football player, I'm not saying yeah, that well, I Well, you've been in that it. world for so long. Yeah, yeah. So They better know so, who you are. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of like where I am right now. It's like juggling Good Morning Football, CBS on Sundays, which is only during the season, extra a couple of days a week. Um, uh, the voice of DraftKings. I did a podcast for Uninterrupted. So um, I'm working five jobs, juggling them. Um, and the, the good thing is, all of my contracts are up within a year oh. and you know, I, I just landed a couple of Emmys. So the timing, the timing is good. <laughs> the timing is good. You know what I'm saying? You are you going to apply some pressure in these negotiations? Is that what we're pressure. talking about? 
Yeah, no doubt. When I have these virtual, like, uh, these conversations when we're having negotiations, oh, yeah, they're just going to be sitting up there just on my shoulder. You know what I mean? I might just put one on a chain and just let it dangle like a rapper from the early 2000s. You know what I'm saying? Just give it a nice prominent position behind you in front of the shoe wall. Like with its own lighting. Exactly. Hi, this is where I do my interviews. Would you like to talk? (laughs) How different is the entertainment world than the sports world? Because obviously there are two types of celebrities, right? Like the athletes are famous too. It has always struck me as maybe being a little bit different though. Like it's like it's packaged differently. Like you go to a junket and there's questions you can't ask or whatever. At least this is what I've heard. I've never done anything like this. Yeah, no doubt it is. That's exactly it. It, it, You know, we, we have a list of questions and they'll say, hey, Nate, you have um, Gal Gadot. And she's talking about Superwoman. I'm like, all right, cool. They're like, you got eight minutes. I'm like, all right, cool. Just send me the booking sheet. I like to print it out. I like, I, I'm the same kid, same guy. So I like to study the night before if I can get my hands on it. Um, say the questions out loud so they come out a little bit uh, more organic. And, and what, <laughs> what we do at Extra, they'll send like 30 questions. And I got to hit our producer like, I got eight minutes. You got 30 questions. Let's prioritize this a little bit. Like, what do you, I know there's stuff that you want. Like, just give me the first eight. And then after that, let me do me. And so we had to work out the kinks, which they were like, oh, this is normal. You just, you just, you've kind of fill it out and do what you do. I'm like, nah, I come from like a, a, a very like, you know, strict uh, format where, you know, we have an interview. Here's, here's who we're going to, who's going to do the introduction. Who's going to ask the question and who's going to say goodbye. It wasn't necessarily like that, um, but now they caught a rhythm of what I'm like, and I know how the producers work. But it is a, it is different, um, you know. Celebrities, they're not as dramatic as people make them think. Um, it's usually the it's usually the people they work with. Now, oh, I see that. Yeah. Awesome. There's some for sure horror stories, but I haven't ran across it because no? I I come, I come across as genuine as possible because I'm truly a fan. So you know, if I meet like, let's say I meet Taylor Swift, right? I might not know every Taylor Swift song, but I know she's a superstar, a megastar. And I remember her being on the red carpet for Cats. I'm, I see Idris Alba, and I'm like, damn, this dude's handsome. You know what I'm saying? I see Cohen. He's cracking jokes. And then I see Taylor, and I'm like, go get Taylor. And they're kind of like whispering it and pushing it. And then I get her, and I have this really good conversation. She gives me a hug. And she's like, hey, thanks. Like, you did a good job. And I'm like, well, thanks. You do a great job at everything. Uh, uh, congrats on Cats, and I'll see you in there. I just turn around. I'm like, all right, so we got next. And the producer's like, oh, my gosh, we haven't talked to Taylor in like two years. That's amazing. I'm like, wait, wait, what? They're like, yeah, well, Taylor, she didn't really talk to anybody for like two years. And we were on the list. And it's just great that you got her. And I'm like, does it work like that? Where like you guys can't talk to certain celebrities. Do you feel like you you, you can't like send a certain reporter or uh, some, you know, a, a, a certain person from a certain region to talk to somebody? And that's how it is. But for me, I come in and I'm I'm like a fan first. You know what I mean? Like if I have 10 minutes with you, I'm going to spend the first couple of minutes telling you how much I like something that you did. And I think they always they always like they like that. Have you ever interviewed somebody where you were like, I can't come up with the damn thing. I'm faking this one. <laughs> uh, you don't, no, obviously you, don't name names. That would not be no, good no, for no, business. No. If, if, if I had a name, I would. But there's actors that. I don't know about. Yeah. And I have to come in really excited because they've been doing this junket. They're really chill. The, the, the screen pops on. Luckily, I have this barrier of this virtual world. Right. But like, you know, when you when you when I used to do it in person, 
it's hard because you just you see this train of people walking in and out of this room. And then like, what's going to make me different? Like, I don't know. I got I got to crack a joke. And what if the joke doesn't land? You know, and I, and I, I you know, I like to compliment people. because That's my personality, whether you're a man or a woman. It's like, hey, man, nice suit. Or, you know, I love those heels. But like, I can't come in too creepy on the women. Like, ooh, yeah. I love your makeup, girl. Like, yeah. them lips. Mm. Like, mm, I'm those toenails looking nice. <laughs> Be that guy. Mm, them feet, girl. <laughs> mm, those some superwoman toes. I'm just like, going to take a picture. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I, I can't be that guy, but I do come in as a fan first. But there are moments where, you know, I meet with certain people and they're like, Nate, like, why are you doing extra? Like, you know, you know, you've reached a certain point in your career where you don't have to sit and wait on a celebrity for seven minutes of their time mm. and 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 be told by a producer. Last question. That's it. And then cut you off. And I'm like. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you are right. Um, but in, in the meantime, I'm enjoying it. We'll just see if I'll continue to do it. But I, you, you asked me a little bit earlier and I'll, I'll kind of circle back to I, I do feel like acting is next, not because I want to be the next Denzel. I just feel like it's the most challenging thing that I can do right now. And before I discovered how much I love sports, I used to do a little male modeling and I had the I did the after school special as like this kid named Marcus. Like I was, I'm trying to find this film. I, I was in an after school special about like drinking and, and teen pregnancy. Called? And I was just getting a Marcus in the classroom. What was it called? Um, I forgot what it was called, but I, I, I still remember a line. I, I, I raised my hand in this classroom. It's like seven other kids in there. And I'm like, it's still hard for me to see a guy turning down sex because if his friends are doing it, then he's going to want to do it too. You know, it's like smoking or drinking. You may not want to do it, but if everybody else is, you probably will. And that's the problem. Like that. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Nate. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, imagine, imagine this package, no beard, same flat top, like straight 1993, just me over there acting, I guess you could say. So I, I think, I think I'm going to get back into it. I've been, I've been reading scripts and I've been tossing them away, but now I feel like. What I do you mean you've been tossing them away? So people send me a script and say, hey, we, I have a role for you. It's a, it's a mayor of this movie. And, um, you know, we, we filmed for four weeks. You don't have to audition. We like your personality. We know you can do it. And I'm like, ah, I can't. It's, it's during the off season. And I want to spend those four weeks with my family. Um, but now my wife even knows. She's like, yeah, I can tell you're kind of ready for something new. And I'm going to couple that with one of the other jobs that I have. So I'm, I still will do some type of morning job. I'm always going to do uh, CBS Sunday. I just feel like it's. It's it's just yeah. too great of a platform to leave, too great of a seat, and uh, and then we'll figure out what happens with uh, you know CBS this morning or the NFL Network. Good morning, football. What what kind of actor are you going to be? I would want to tap into drama first. Um, I have too much respect for the art of comedy. Um, I feel like the comedic timing is something you have to learn over time. Um, I I, just, I love stand up and I love comedians that can make that transition on film. And I don't want to disrespect the craft. I feel like I could tap into some spaces from a dramatic standpoint, whether it's uh, experiences or reality and sell it to you. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know if I can cry on demand, but I know if I, if I had a scene where I had to be real or get angry, I'd be believable. So we're going to work on the crying? I'm going to work on the crying. Can you cry on demand? No. <laughs> no. I, I can't even, I, I haven't even tried. 
So we would have to work on that. <laughs> I thought all little girls learned it. Like it's 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 like one of the things you're born with. And like after know, school, then, there's Girl Scouts, there's like, crying on demand, there's yeah, ballet. You have a choice to like <laughs> keep it as you get older, but you can't say like when you were younger, you've never cried, like at nine years old, never like mustered up a tear. Like in order for drama or to get something? Yeah, to get like some cookies or something or like, yeah, to get your way. I think I, it's possible I could get there, <laughs> right? It's possible there are things I could tap into to get there. Okay. Uh, I also uh, have like a, a really high level of when I was a kid, especially it's gotten less, but it's still there. Like level of self-awareness that would not be good for acting. Really? Yes. Like acute, this is what I'm projecting. This is what they're seeing. This is like just overthinking yeah. all of it, Yeah. which yeah. I think would kind of get in the way a little bit if the whole point is to just like be a little bit of a hurdle just a little (laughs) bit (laughs) all right well i can't wait to see what's next for you nate this is very exciting yeah no doubt we'll see i'm you know out here in new jersey never thought i'd be living out here full time um you know i've had a couple of opportunities to head back to la but you know i I talked to the family you know it's funny they're at the age now where i can have conversations with them i have a 17 year old 15 year old and a soon to be 11 year old. And I was offered a significant deal to move back to um, LA. And I remember having a family meeting, came downstairs. I put everything on the table. I'm like, this is how many years? This is how many millions? Um, This is kind of like where we're at. And I went around. My daughter, she's just kind of like, oh, you know, dad, you know, it's whatever you want to do, dad. I love you. And I, I always support you. My wife is like, look, I don't really want to move, but you know what it is with us. If we're going to ride out, we're going to ride out together kind of thing. My oldest son, Nate, he's like, hmm, L.A.? What? He's like, you know what I'm saying? They got I a few honeys. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, we can live out in Calabasas by Drake. He's like, he's thinking I could see his wheels turning. And my 15-year-old, he's like the logical one, Nehemiah. He's like, he's like, um, all right, so how much did they offer you? How many years? And I'm like, Boom, boom, boom. He's like, and how much time would you need to spend away from us? He's like, he thought for a second, like took another bite of his food. And he's like, it's not worth it, dad. It's not worth it. It was like a, it was like a TV show. And, and I was like, here's the family moment. Come here, let's bring it on in. And I called my agent. I was like, I'm not taking the job. He was kind of shocked, but it worked out though, because right now I think I'm, I'm hitting the market at the right time. Was it an after school special TV family moment (laughs) or like it was. It was an after school special. It was like the 30 minute, like, you know, <laughs> dramedy where it's like that that end of Family Matters where, you know, what I'm saying you come in with Carl comes in in his in his cop suit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Urkel, get out of here, man. It's family moment. Hug it out. Yeah. Obviously, the primary thing in the news is not related to the NFL, but I'm curious about your take. This whole NIL situation. Yeah. Uh, what would that have meant for 20 year old Nate Burleson? who's a hustler. I know it. <laughs> it, it. It wouldn't have meant much. It, it just would have meant when I was working at a bar um, that that at money that, uh, you know, boosters were trying to hand me, I could have actually put that in my back pocket. Did that actually but, happen? Boosters tried to hand you money? Yeah, I have a good game. And it's like, hey, man, you know, here's here's a tip. Uh, and I'm like, I think you're over tipping me. Um, you know, let me let me just let me just pass on that until I become a professional athlete. Um, you know, I'm in Reno, though. So, like, let's not get it twisted. There wasn't a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? This is the biggest little city. Um, but a little 20. Yeah, a little 20, <laughs> twin, twin. But 
let me just say this. It's about damn time. And shout out to my guy, Reggie Bush, who just tweeted something. And Reggie's like, yo, um, I've been reaching out to them about my Heisman and my records and I'm getting the, the runaround. And, and I, I hear where he's coming from. There might be some people who'd be like, yo, at the time, you might have done something or you, your team or whatever. But what are we going to do to repair it? Because there's individuals that got shook down like NCAA was the mafia and they were either kicked out of school. Their scholarships were taken from them. Their name was tarnished. Um, these guys were ruined because they got free tattoos, got paid a little extra at a job that they were busting their ass at. Or you know what? They were just flat out broke and needed some money from somebody. And then the NCAA came in and was like, nah, you can't do that. But the school can make 300 million on, on a network cable deal. Like that drove me crazy. And I didn't even go to a big school. So I felt for the guys that did. We were getting paid $600 a month at Nevada Reno. I had to pay for a place to live. I had to pay for food. I had to pay for a date if I could take my wife or my girlfriend at the time to the movies. Um, and, and then I had to keep a little bit of money in my pocket just in case there was an emergency. I was broke every month. And that's that's the majority of every college student. So um, for them to come out and say they can make some money on their likeness about damn time because the NCAA has been doing it for decades. Well, and I just feel like now that they've changed that rule, we're going to look back in 20 years and be like, wait, Reggie Bush was how good, but his records are not reflected. And what? what why? And he doesn't why? have a Heisman. And I'm so confused about this. And so confused. I mean, that whole that whole situation specifically. Now I'm a USC person, so I definitely have a bias attached to it in that, like, less so that I am an alumnus, but more so right. that I was close to the people involved when this all went down. But I right. remember I was covering it at the time, and I read the NC2A report. And I was like, there is no proof that the There's school no knew. There is no proof that Todd McNair knew. There is no, like, it was just, you should have known. So we're going to punish everything but the thing that frustrates me the most is that people took that and now it has become a totally different set of facts. Like yeah. nobody remembers that that's actually what it was. They were like, you knew, you did right. this, you right. did that. And that's right. actually not what anyone has ever said. So don't get me started, yeah. but hopefully no, no, they I give mean, it all back to Reg because he they, earned they it on to. the field. He earned it on the field. He kicked ass. He's one of the, if not the greatest college player of all times. And on top of that, I'm not going to do any dry snitching, but like there's plenty of individuals that are just out and proud about the stuff that they've taken. I'm, I'm reading reports and hearing people on a podcast and they're like, yo, like this, life was good. And I had this and I had that. Like You got people dry snitching on themselves and you snatched up Reggie Bush's records and, and his hot like it's ridiculous. So it is about time. I feel like it's the world correcting itself. And maybe it was 2020 had a hard they you know they had a hard look at themselves and realized like what life was like without a lot of them NCAA athletes and what life is like when an NCAA athlete when a college football player has a good season he says you know what this bowl game is cool but I'm about to get ready for the draft or you know what forget my whole next year I'm getting ready for the draft so like if they had to do something because there was a lot of power going into the hands of these soon to be superstars. From an NFL standpoint, give me a team that you really like for next year that isn't an obvious team, right? Like, I like the Washington football team for next year. This is, like, one of the teams that's my 2021 favorite teams. Not like I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but, like, someone that falls into that category that you really like that might be a little bit more under the radar than, say, the Chiefs or the Bucks or somebody like that. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I like the Chicago Bears. Ooh. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Andy Dalton fan. I feel like he he kind of had a raw deal uh, in, 
in Dallas because people didn't expect him to do anything. And it was just a struggle all the way around. Like you can't blame the struggles on Andy. Like the whole team was struggling. Um, but I do feel like this is Justin Fields' job. So you have a good quarterback in Andy who's been through it, who has already said has come out and been like, look, you know, I'm going to lead him. I'm going to be uh, everything that he needs. So you have a, a bet, and it doesn't happen as often as people think. Think about what Aaron Rodgers went through with Brett Favre. Think about what Jordan Love is going through with Aaron Rodgers. Not that Aaron Rodgers isn't a friend to him, but he for damn sure isn't at practice. So, like, Jordan Love is probably like, damn, like, all I wanted was a big brother. Like, you know, like, and, and Aaron Rodgers was like, I'm not, I don't need to be here for you. I'm trying to do this for me. So you have Justin Fields, who has a great quarterback in front of him that will be his backup, in my opinion. And I feel like Justin Fields, he's a winner, a proven winner in college, and he's going to shock the world in a division where there's a lot of question marks. Right. I, I love Kirk Cousins. I, I appreciate the guy, but there's always this question, is Kirk Cousins the guy that's going to win you the Super Bowl? Is, is, is Green Bay going to have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? That's a huge question. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I've, in the Lions, golf has a lot to prove as the new quarterback of my former team. I just feel like if there's any young quarterback that can shock the world, it's in a division like the NFC North. Yeah, the Bears are a good one because it feels like They'll go however Justin Fields goes, and yeah. I anticipate that he's going to be good. It's just when will they the let bag. him come in to start being good? That's my no biggest doubt. question. And, and Nagy has to empty the bag. He yeah. also knows his seat is hot as hell as well. Yeah. So why why do you think – do you think that they will empty the bag with him? Because that was the thing with Trubisky for so long. It was like, why yeah. are, why didn't they let him run? When that's his yeah. strength and it gives him all this, like, it, many dimensions, it's not like what – they couldn't have been protecting him because they yeah. didn't even want it. Like, it got to a point where they didn't want him. So it was like, don't protect him. Just put him out there. Let him let him do what he can do. So I have a it's, little bit of concerns about Nagy yeah. and whether yeah. or not it's, he will do it's, it. It's either, it's either one or two things. And, I, you know, I hate to be harsh, but I'm going to keep it real. It's either Nagy isn't the quarterback whisperer, as he's been labeled to be, or Trubisky couldn't handle – um, everything that was being thrown his way, um, whether that was a lack of having a grasp of the complete playbook or even if we got him outside the pocket, he still can't make the passes that we need him to make. So it was one or the other. And you know what? We will find out this year. Will Aaron Rodgers play for the Packers this year, do you think? Yes. Your gut? Yeah? Yes. Why? And I've waffled back and forth on this. Um, and I – I'm on TV every day talking about how much I love Aaron Rodgers and I wish I would have played with him. I told him to his face, man. I got a man crush on him. But I also had to be real and say, bro, you can pay $40 million. You, you get paid the most on your team. So that means you get paid to deal with the BS. Like, leadership comes in the form of not only being the quarterback, but the highest pay. So get out your feelings and get your ass to the facility. I said this on TV, so I'm not showing out for your show, but I, I don't think people really heard me. They kind of they kind of wash it away because I over compliment Aaron Rodgers. So I, I like to say it as much as I can. I do feel like he needs to show up. You know how many people can identify with what he's going through? How many athletes, not just in football, but um, in every other major pro professional sport, not only people in the everyday corporate infrastructure can identify with the people above them making decisions that don't make sense. And then you feeling like you have influence and your influence isn't being heard. We all can, but we all show up. So for me, I feel like eventually that's going to sink in because 
as much as his buddies and his teammates are like, yo, I got his back. We never count another man's dollars. And if somebody has an issue with the team, we let them handle it. There's also an element of, bro, we're all getting paid. We're all trying to outwork our contracts. But more importantly, we all see the window close. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And for you not showing up, all of these moments that we could be working on something, this is making our chances to win a Super Bowl less yeah. and less. So hopefully like that sets in. He's like, screw it. Let me just make sure I have influence on free agents in the draft when it comes up. Let me have a conversation about ownership, GM, and the decisions being made above me. And let's play some football. Yeah. If he doesn't, if he, if, if he, I'd rather him take another job. I'd rather him go to go host, you know, Jeopardy. And we're like, oh, okay. He's taking another job. He's moving on. Football is not his love anymore. Cool. But if he just sits out and pouts, then it's like, bro, like how loyal were you to your teammates? Forget about the organization. I quickly realized I don't bleed these colors and the logo on my helmet shouldn't be a tattoo on my chest and that I shouldn't run through a brick wall for this team that's paying me a check. I quickly realized that. So I'm not telling you that, that Aaron Rodgers needs to show up for the Packers, but you should show up for your brothers though. Like your team though. I'm, I've been on good morning football going on six years. I've had an opportunity to leave the show six years in a row. The main reason wasn't money, wasn't uh, being uh, visible, wasn't uh, the show itself, the content itself. It was the four hosts and all of the producers that I met. And that's a fact. You can ask anybody that knows me and anybody I've shared these stories with, because when I have conversations about my team and they're like, nah, we, we want you here. We need you here. I'm like, cool. Say no more. I'll stick around another year. So like, that's me though. And I feel like most people are like that. Once they get their point across, they're like, all right, let me show up for my brothers and sisters. Like, where's that element? Why aren't we talking about that? If Aaron Rodgers is so upset and so frustrated, like, okay, what about your brothers, though, that, that have, have bled next to you? What about that offensive line that, 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 that went out there and, and kept you clean? What about those receivers that went up there and caught that ball over the middle when it was a little too high? Like, what about that defense? That, that, that held that team to a field goal so you can go out there and score a touchdown on the next drive. Like, what about that coaching staff that gives you everything you need when you walk around a facility? Like, what about that fan base that is as unique as any? Like, what about the elements that are outside of the one thing that frustrates you? Okay, but to a degree, there and, – and I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, that will become a very hard decision for him to make, right? To look at his team and say, this is obviously a team that could go make a Super Bowl run with me, without me, not so much, and I'm just going to let you guys eat that. I think yeah. that's the hardest component of this for him, assuming he has normal human feelings, right? Yeah. Um, but but I also feel like that's something that that the corporation, that the business, that the people upstairs can always use against everybody. So yeah. he is the one person, like, we all wish we had the leverage. You said we all can relate to it's true. being treated in ways that we don't feel appreciated and we feel disposable and all these things. Well, he's the one person who's now in a position to be like, guess what? Not to me, you know, like this, this is going to change now. So there's part of me that feels like, I don't know if I just want him to give up that argument because it's the one that we all wish we could do, you know? It's true. It's true. We all wish we had that leverage. Yeah. 
um, that he has. And and he knows it. You could tell by the way, you know, he he talks and you could tell his energy whenever he's on camera, the subtle things that he does. You know, when he wears the I'm offended shirt, like he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, I just feel like it's it's bigger than the front office at this point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Aaron Rodgers career doesn't need to be validated. He will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. But there's a ton of guys in that locker room that would love validation of a Super Bowl ring. And if he doesn't show up, even if you just want to unselfishly just just show up and just be like, I hate it here, but I got to ride this out one last year for my dogs. Like there's there's this there's this level of uh, of like maybe empathy that he needs to feel what the other guys are feeling in that locker room. And maybe that might pull him into the facility. Do you think that the guys will reach out to him? to communicate that feeling to him, to pull on those heartstrings? I, th- I think they should. You know, I, th- there's there's <clears throat> there's a few rules when it comes to a player that, that's dealing with the front office and um, players that are dealing with money issues, right? Contractual issues. Um, the first rule is you don't talk about it if you're not involved in it. Um, the second rule is um, when when you're approached by the media and you have an opportunity to speak on either side, to always take the side of the player, always. So one is layout. That's why in the beginning, no Packers talk, nobody. And then when they came out, it was everybody was like, we love Rodgers. He's our guy. We want him back. Can't wait for him to get back. Now, I feel like there's this unwritten one, the third one that the Packers need to engage, which is they all have to just reach out. If you got to hop on a plane, go pull up at his house, if you got to show up on a vacation somewhere, if he's kicking it and invites them out to his house, they got to go out there and give them the sob story. I don't know. I Being retired, I know how much I would have appreciated a Super Bowl. Like, I, I wouldn't be Devontae Adams in this case. I'm not – I don't have the career of him. I don't, I'm not as talented as he is. But I would be like the second-tier receiver on this team, and I would be doing all I can to reach out to Aaron Rodgers. Nate Burleson, you're a stud. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you. You're the best. Anytime you need me. So that was fun. And you can hear and see more from Nate on Twitter and Insta. His handle in both places at Nate Burleson. You can enjoy his varied hat and shoe collection on Insta and his varied opinions on Twitter. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL Roadshow is also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. And for video clips of the show and for more, follow me on Twitter at Lindsay underscore Rhodes. And on Instagram, I'm at Lindsay Rhodes NFL. And that's Lindsay with an A. The NFL Roadshow is part of the Sirius XM podcast network. The executive producer is Andrew Emmer. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. And a special thanks to Sirius XM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. We'll see you next week. Sirius XM podcasts.